Dewey Do, a podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning, hosted by the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Stephan, alongside radio personality, Kyle Bogey. That's right. Welcome in. Episode 7 of the What Do We Do podcast. Kyle Bogey, Dewey Stefan with you here at Great Lakes Wealth. And uh, Dewey, it's been a fun ride so far. Here we are now midsummer. we got a lot to look forward to uh, coming up into the fall, right? Episode 7. Can you believe it? We're into July, second half of the year. As I said before, we're just getting started. And you might not be able to see, if you're watching the video okay, of the podcast, and you can check that out, by the way, on YouTube, you can see the skull on the polo that Dewey's wearing right now. Very fashionable. I love it. Well, I think I got a little outdone last week. I had the uh, traditional Great Lakes Wealth polo, and you came in here with flamingos, I believe. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. It, it's called the millennial dad look. You know, the short, you know, polo, half-dress shirt, but kind of you're partying a little bit. You know, it's that whole thing. I understand. It's like the mullet uh, of the of the <laughs> 2020s, you know, whatever. Combed in the front, party in the back, yeah. something like that. Well, you had the flamingo. I said I would bring something this week. <laughs> That would just kind of complement that. So I do have my skull polo fresh from the golf course and uh we're just gonna go with this for uh this episode i have some aztec arrows or something on my shirt i don't know who the heck knows nobody cares um we got a lot to do uh on episode seven we're certainly gonna get into an update on the market what's been going on the last couple of weeks we will also actually take a look at how these new cases the COVID 19 pandemic is going to potentially affect the sporting world moving forward as a lot of different professional leagues are going to be getting back into the swing of things. Who knows what's going to happen with the NFL and college football. So we'll certainly uh, dive into that as well, but let's go ahead and start with just an overall market update, you know, Q2 kind of just coming to an end there. Overall, what have you seen over the last couple of weeks just to kind of get people, I guess, back into the swing of things? Yeah, you know what Confucius say, may you live in interesting times, right? <laughs> and this is unbelievably interesting times. I mean, tale of two cities, there you go with that one, January through uh, March, one direction, down. March through June, basically back up, right? So, Tale of Two Cities, amazingly unprecedented times. And uh, at the end of it all, we're um, in a situation where we have things ahead of us that are not yet settled. So, we're going to dive into that today and talk about uh, where you know the markets are hopefully going to go from here and have some kind of uh, direction behind that. Pretty darn steady, I guess, back to normal approach or steady upward trajectory, you know, with the stock market over the last, you know, what, 60 days roughly or so. But over the last couple of weeks, it's gone down back a little bit, starting to kind of see some of these, you know, maybe COVID-19 headlines and the cases starting to go, you know, and spread around the country. Is that starting to kind of creep back into the market? Is that one of those reasons why we're starting to see a little bit of that dip again? Well, we had kind of the market start January of 2020 go up, continuing the the torrid pace of the economy. We were at a you know a, a low of unemployment, um, and then in February, as whether there was the uh, rumors of a virus and things kind of came uh, home to roost, we had February the market go down, March the market you know collapsed. And then in uh, April and May, this unprecedented rebound, um, we had, you know, I think, what was the number? Over 20 million unemployed people once we got uh, into the depths of it. And so 
the recovery was is unprecedented. We didn't really understand what was happening, and there's a lot of reasons as to why. But when you look at where we are at the end of June, you have the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 9.55%. You have the S&P 500 down 4.04%. You do have the NASDAQ, which is the tech-heavy index we talked about in last week's episode, that that's actually up 12%, right? And then beyond that, you have this other index we did not talk about before, the Russell 2000, minus 13%. The International Index, known as the MSCI EFI, down 12.83. And the Bond Index, because of some things going on, the Bond Index was actually positive over 6%. So overall, the indices are lower globally, but huge rebound in April, huge rebound in May. And as you said, we kind of squeaked out a small gain in June, but tailed off towards the end because primarily COVID uh, may be coming back. Would you say overall Q2, I don't want to say a success because we got a lot going on, but overall Q2 better than you possibly could have expected given what was going on? Great question. And um, I think we're just counting our blessings, right? CYB. I don't know if I've used that on any of these episodes yet. I know I've done MGD. We'll add that to the gamut. I love it. MGD, make good decisions. <laughs> and CYB, count your blessings. Um, in golf terms, and I know you love the golf bogey, we call it right now a mulligan, right? When the market crashed in March, everyone was going, oh, I just wish I could have it back. I just wish, right? Well, guess what? It's basically back. We're still down, but nowhere near where we were. And, you know, we're going to talk about where we think we're going next. And so if you were going to do something with your personal portfolio in March and you just wish, maybe you should consider that because this could be that, uh, that golf term of a mulligan. I like to call it a member's bounce. When, when I CYB count your blessings, uh, you know, maybe a nice kick off the tree goes back into the fairway or something like that, right? I understand member's bounce for sure. <laughs> That's always an encouraging thing. By the way, uh, episode seven of the What Do We Do podcast, please, uh, we encourage you, download, subscribe, share, rate, uh, all of it. Please give us feedback. Um, you know, if you would like to find out about some other things, maybe hear Dewey uh, go on about some uh, other info, maybe other things about the stock market. Uh, we certainly love to hear feedback from everyone out there. We appreciate you guys listening so far uh, up until this point. So we've talked a little bit about you know the pandemic and, and what we could be seeing here as the summer moves forward. I guess as far as investors are concerned, are we starting to see some people get a little bit scared off here? You know, in, in the, those midsummer months, are people starting to almost hold back as it comes to you know the market investing on things? Or are people still just going to go in, invest, keep going, and see what happens down the line? Have we seen it slow a little bit at all? Well, take a step back. We were totally caught off guard by this virus, you know, globally, right? And then as things became to unwind and panic set in, the Federal Reserve came out and said, we will help. We will help. And they did it, you know, in a bunch of different ways. The Congress then got together with the president and they then passed some packages to help us all get through this, you know, from a financial perspective. But as things kind of became a little more clear, it was this COVID virus. We were all on quarantine. And when would we go from the stay-at-home economy back to the get-out and traditional economy? 
Follow me, Bogey? Mm-hmm. Okay, so along with that, here we are, let's say last month in June, and we're opening up states again. So we're slowly coming online. Every state's different, but we're kind of coming online because you know what? Some of the scientists that said COVID won't be around in the summer, whether it's the heat or just you know the, the responsible citizens that are six feet distancing. Well, here we are in June, and whether it's because of the distancing or the missed uh, you know, diagnosis of uh, how the virus you know, can be spread, whatever the case is, we're seeing upticks in the cases. This is now July, right? So all of that to say that these states that were reopening, some have just said, all right, let's just freeze where we are. Let's stop the reopening. And now some are actually having to say, all right, actually, we're going to shut some stuff back down. So as things were looking to become more um, opportunistic and that maybe we're getting through this and we have the backstop with the Federal Reserve, fiscal policy and uh, monetary policy, now we're sudden going backwards a little bit. So we need to kind of, you know, take it day by day and data by data. I, I certainly don't want to be, you know, a Debbie Downer or, you know, anything when it comes to that. But, you know, as far as, you know, Q3 and the projections and what we can expect, I guess, you know, moving forward here the rest of the summer and, and here into the fall, have we seen the worst of the economy? Is it potentially going to get a little bit worse before it gets better just because of the extended unemployment, you know, that's going to come up here, you know, at the end of July. Is that going to affect the economy or more businesses going to have to shut down, uh, you know, maybe some locations, various things like that, some downsizing. I just wonder if we've seen it at its worst or if there is still a little bit lower that we would have to go before we really start to make the comeback? A great question. And there's probably several parts to it. You have unemployment or employment, however you want to look at that. When you say the economy, you're talking about GDP is what, you know, uh, the experts consider it gross domestic product. And that's a, uh, you know, a name for the economy or just a a way of expressing economic uh, activity. And so we are in a recession. We had such a fast drop off in Q2 that the United States is technically in recession. And so to your question, is it going to be or are we up in the middle of a V-shaped recovery? Is it a U-shaped recovery? Is, as we talked about in a prior episode, going to be a sawtooth or a bunch of W's in this recovery? You know, we don't know yet, but we're going to uh, have to continue to watch and learn. The great thing is, I guess, short term, July is when quarterly earnings come out from a host of uh, you know important companies, most of the companies that are publicly traded. So we're going to hear in the next few weeks what uh, is happening, you know, from their perspective, and that. I'll give us some guidance. I want to kind of veer off, uh, you know, from that conversation a little bit because I, I've even heard uh, this conversation. You know, I might be in the market, you know, to buy a new house here in the next year and a half or two years or whatever. And some people are saying, well, interest rates are at an unbelievable low. You might want to speed up that timeline. Is there, I guess, is there an outlook even or a guesstimate at this point as to what interest rates could potentially look like here moving forward and how soon they could start to go up? Because they have hung pretty steadily at that, that low rate. Uh, another great question. And part of the force behind the recovery in the last few months is the Federal Reserve came out and said that the committee will leave interest rates at close to zero or at zero, I believe, until 2022, Jerome Powell. And so Chairman Powell, at a pretty important interview, he mentioned that they have a, a policy to help, and that'll keep rates low you know, for quite some time. So that helped push the markets, I think, the day after he said that, you know, up 500, 1,000 points, some crazy number. So interest rates will stay low for quite some time for those that are looking to buy homes. Absolutely. 
That's good news for me. Maybe not have to uh, speed up that process. You know how hard it is to uh, to move houses. So I, we obviously are headed into what is going to be, I think, an historic fall here. You know, no matter which side or you know which way you look at it, as we head toward the election. I mean, this is an election year, which is absolutely insane to me. Everything we have going on in 2020, and then we have to worry about an election here uh, coming up in the fall. So as it pertains to Q3 and the projections moving forward, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but how big of an effect and maybe how hesitant will some be, how excitable will some be based on what transpires and what, you know, the results may end up being this fall? From the election perspective, A lot of discussion about that as well, and we're going to keep going in a circle with all the different data that we need to you know, digest right now, and the election is one that's kind of still out there, so that's obviously going to be in November. As we stand today, some of the polls, most of the polls, I believe, have Biden with some double-digit lead. His approach, from what I've read and what I understand it to be, is that he will undo a lot of the tax cuts and some of the tax and economic um, programs that uh, current President Trump has put into play. And that would be just a complete, let's say, 180 from current policy. And so you'll have yours that say that that is absolutely what we need. Some say that is absolutely what we don't need. This is all on the economic discussion of the presidential election, not the social discussion at all. Also, not only is it a presidential election, but let's not forget about Congress. We have a Republican Congress, and we have a Democratic Congress, and we have a House, and we have a Senate, and there's a lot of races going on there. And a lot of uh, what's going to transpire is going to be really dependent upon if Biden wins, what kind of Congress is there? If Trump wins re-election, what kind of Congress is there? So that's a lot to be determined, and we're not truly focusing on that quite yet. Let's go ahead and summarize and just kind of nail it down and make it you know, very simple, I guess, for, for the people that are out there listening. Q2, Dewey's thoughts overall on what you saw in quarter two and, and you know, just, I guess, summarizing everything that we kind of just ran through, if you can. Sure. Well, Q2 was, again, it was a fantastic recovery. Q2 was a fantastic recovery from a very scary, scary time, right? And within Q2, you had some sectors of the S&P that went you know, extremely up. Some sectors of the S&P that did extremely well, led by technology and consumer discretionary, consumer communication services, healthcare, were about even. Those were even or up. Below that, you had other sectors of the S&P that just, you know, just had a horrible uh, first half of the year and including the second quarter. That would be energy. I think we'll also remember that in uh, the Q2, energy actually went negative one day, right? It went from $30 a barrel to what, almost negative $40 a barrel, right? This was the unprecedented times that we were in in Q2. So you had the financials that were down the first half of the year, 20 plus percent industrial are down, utilities are down, real estate certainly down. So you had a Q2 that we are blessed to have the recovery that we had. A lot of the valuations are back and some companies are thriving. We've talked about uh, surviving versus thriving, but now that you know, this Q2 is in the books or the first half of the year is in the books, we now need to focus on Q3 and Q4 and it is going to be a wild ride. 
Six episodes in, this is now episode seven. That That's a perfect transition right there. You're, you're getting better and better every single episode. This is amazing. The chemistry, it just continues to grow. So transitioning to Q3, I guess, what, what is Dewey's forecast here as we do kind of look ahead? Again, a summary of some of the things that we kind of ran through. Well, let's remember that we lost 22 million jobs in March and April. We've recovered maybe 3 million jobs in May and an estimate of almost 5 million jobs in June, right? So we're plus 8 million, let's say, from the 22 million. Okay, U.S. unemployment is still at 11%. We were at 3.5%, give or take. We were cruising for okay? a while there, yeah. Right. So when you think about where we go now... From Goldman Sachs, one of the one of the research firms, one of the investment uh, houses that we pay attention to, they have a forecast of an unemployment rate that will still be nine percent by year end this year. And again, we're at eleven percent now. We were at three point five. Okay, follow me. Mm-hmm. 2021, end of 2021, they project 7% unemployment. 2022, 6% unemployment. 2023, 5.5% unemployment, right? So if they are correct, we won't even be back to where we were last December or this January. That's going to be a challenge for the economic prosperity of the entire country. There's going to be pockets of strength. There's going to be pockets of weakness. We're, again, talking about airlines. We're talking about hotels. We're talking about leisure. We're talking about restaurants. We're talking about retail to a degree. You can switch gears to are the children in America going to be going back to school in the fall? We will certainly soon enough be talking about athletics, professional athletics, college athletics. We're going to let you give us your forecast, okay? We're going to talk about what your thoughts happen to be on that subject. But you have a lot that we have to analyze from the economic perspective of the country, and then we'll dive into the investment community and find out where we think those pockets of opportunity are. The last thing I'm going to say on it, Bogey, is we talked about before about there's the now, the then, and the later. We were in the now when it was the stay at home. We're now in the next or the, you know, the new now, but now it's going to be what's next. All right, so we summarized Q2. We kind of looked ahead a little bit here, you know, to Q3. Overall, I suppose, you know, your outlook, your thoughts on COVID-19, what the market's going to look like, what's going to transpire here, you know, moving forward. Yeah, if we had a crystal ball or if we had tomorrow's news today, we would tell you that we think that the markets are slightly overvalued. Some sectors are maybe even extremely overvalued within uh, the subset of the markets. So with that, we would expect that there's going to be you know, a short-term drawdown or a short-term pullback in the markets, however you want to describe it. It could be anywhere from 5% to 15%. And there's a lot of different things. Again, the virus and the ability of, of you know the communities to move about is going to be part of it. So we would say also, as we talked about in a prior episode, uh, Bogey, that there's the sell in May and go away, right? And so here we are, and the markets um, just keep chugging along, grinding higher. We're going to say that maybe as we get to the earnings 
you know, in the next week or so, that that's going to be the tell. And we would probably see some softening going into July, into August. And then with the data, you know, exposed, we think then we can hopefully have a strong rally into uh, the election uh, cycle and into the end of the year. A lot of it will depend on what happens with this virus. So I guess as a bottom line, as we would see the volatility continue this summer, we're going to say that the coronavirus numbers are in fact troubling, but the continued fiscal and monetary support that we have behind us is expected to blunt the worst of the effects of this pandemic. Okay, that's number one. You need to expect volatility in the coming months as the states decide, are they coming out of lockdown? Are they frozen where they are? Or are they actually going to re-lock down? So there's a lot to determine in terms of the ability of the, of the states and the local governments to allow us to do whatever it is we need to do. And then in this environment, savvy investors can take advantage of any volatility and pullbacks and get into those sectors and those investments that really have long-term opportunity. Talk to your financial professional, do your work, as we always say. Also, an investment that we have really thought as important in this time, we are going to talk about in our next episode, and that is gold. Gold just today broke above a nine-year high. Gold is now above 1,800 an ounce, and our next episode, Bogey, is going to focus on gold because of the opportunities that are there with that based upon you know interest rates, inflation, federal policy, the rest of it. So I'm excited about that already. But aside from that, be sure to set aside your emotions when you see the market in the next few months up and down, up and down. Opportunities are going to exist, but you need to be patient, take your time, and do your work. I'll leave you with this for now. The unprecedented decline in the global markets bottomed out March 23rd. We've had an amazing recovery in the last 60 to 90 days. Expect volatility, but this is still the generational buying opportunity. Get after it. Hi, this is Dewey Steffen, CEO of Great Lakes Wealth. Are you interested in investing but aren't sure where to start? At Great Lakes Wealth, our mission is to provide Wall Street solutions with Main Street values to our clients and the communities we serve. We offer a qualified, experienced, and dedicated team to each and every client. We work with conservative, moderate, and aggressive investors and strive to help them reach their financial goals. So if you have at least $100,000 to invest, please visit our website at www.greatlakeswealth.us or call me, Dewey Steffen, at 248-378-1200 to learn more. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. And as always, if you want to find out more information, you can go to greatlakeswealth.us, find some more information. There's some incredibly informative videos, uh, articles, newsletters, certainly, uh, to find out some more information on that. Uh, again, this episode 7 of the What Do We Do podcast. Please download, subscribe, share, rate, uh, all of that, and give us uh, as much feedback as humanly possible. So we've taken a look at the, the economic fallout the market, you know, watching it on a day-to-day basis, looking at all the headlines as everything, you know, kind of transpires here. But another area, one that, you know, might be maybe my, you know, expertise or might pique my interest a little bit more, the sporting world is something that it just – 
by the day, we continue to see new stories about how Major League Baseball is handling everything. The NHL, and they're going to have you know games every single two hours at their various you know hub cities and all that. I can't wait to bet on it. Please bet wisely if you're going to. But there's a lot out there. And then, of course, we lead into the big season, which is college football and the NFL. And you have some universities like Notre Dame, no positive tests. Everything's all hunky-dory. Everything's good to go. LSU with like 30 positive tests, you know, within their their football program. So it continues to be an evolving thing by the day. And I'm fascinated by it. I think all the professional leagues, we're going to move forward. You know, I, I do think that these hub cities and just simply going and just putting yourself in the bubble, you know, with the NBA down in Orlando, the NHL doing what they're doing. I really do think that that can work. And if if these professional leagues were so worried about COVID-19 and about this being, you know, just absolutely horrific, I don't think they'd be playing at all. You know, and so the only thing I guess I would worry about and you can tell me, you know, if you have any, you know, thoughts concerns, I know you do as well, you're a sports guy just like me, but the only worry would be is if there is one of these athletes, you know, again, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, a college athlete, heaven forbid, that has one of those underlying, you know, medical conditions that you don't know about. We've seen that happen, unfortunately, sometimes in the past in various other situations, and they get very sick and slash or unfortunately potentially die. That would be the one thing that could happen where I think everything gets shut down again. But... I think the NFL, the way that they've operated throughout this entire thing, they've just forged ahead. They've just said, you know what, we're going to play. Now, are there going to be fans? Are there going to be a bunch of you know people in the stands and you know these big you know stadiums and all? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think so. But I do think these professional leagues, they're going to have the freedom to do what they want and do as much as they can testing to make sure these athletes are safe. It's the college realm. And I know you're a Michigan football fan, okay? They haven't won anything in like 20 years, but still. Hey now. Hey now. I I can talk, but I'm just going to say hey now. I think that's the worry right there is the college athletics. You, You can go ahead and tell me if you think I'm wrong. So I, I got to go back to what you said for the last five minutes without taking a breath because I've got a couple questions on that, right? So if you don't mind, can we go back? Please. Please. Let's so do it. Let's go sport by sport just for a second. So I understand, and again, as you have said, you're not the expert in the financial world. I'm not <laughs> the expert in the sports world, but I certainly am. A, Some would argue I'm not an expert in the sporting world either. Well, go ahead. I, again, I don't know what you do at, your, at home drinking alcohol, and I don't know what you do at home watching sports, okay? So I'm going to hope you know something, but I'm, today you have to know more than me because that's what we're going to assume right now. So if there are the four major sports, right, baseball, hockey, NFL football, and uh, basketball, right, mm-hmm. are they all different in terms of the contact and the six feet? And the reason I ask that is because I've been reading enough to where they say that football would be the most worrisome, if that's the right word, to where... Um, you know, that might be the most not going to happen or the least likely to happen because of the, you know, the science behind the closeness. So whether it's hockey players, basketball players and the baseball players and certainly uh, the NFL, I know they have different markets. I know they can play in different ways, but a those players playing together. Is there a difference, you know, in what? I mean, there's no social distancing, you know, with any of them. I think baseball might be the safest one of all because they are going to be, you know, more so outside, outside of what? A couple of ballparks, you know, potentially around the country if they're going to do that. That might be the one where, okay, there's possibly the least concern. But football, you're talking about a 53-man roster in the NFL 
add in the practice squad, add in, you know, guys that are trying to make the team in the preseason. It, that's a lot of people, and they are tackling each other. They are in the trenches, lining up right in front of each other, breathing heavily right. directly into each other. You know, the NHL, similar. You know, obviously the checking and all that, I would equate the NHL and the NFL and football in general to be similar with the NBA, I mean, we saw how fast it spread, you know, when everything got shut down with Rudy Gobert and, you know, well, the Jazz played here in this city and that referee contracted it. And then he traveled over here and he ended up infecting the, the Brooklyn Nets. And so they're clearly there's a risk. And you've already seen a lot of players come out, whether it be the NBA, you know, the NHL and just simply say, I'm going to sit this one out. You know, I have a pregnant wife. I have a medical condition. I want to be safe, whatever it may be. So there's an inherent risk. You know, and I do think we're going to see plenty of positive tests. It's just we've also seen a lot of young people who have gotten COVID-19 recover rapidly and, and done so in a healthy way. They haven't dealt with the severe symptoms potentially that, you know, older people have. I got to believe that's going to be the majority. But it literally, again, it takes one major issue for the negative headlines, you know, everything to kind of come full circle and and potentially get shut down again. So for our listeners and for me, tell me if you know, and if you don't, I I won't hold it against you. Are there um, established starting dates for each of these sports? Meaning I know that there's some NBA going on in Orlando or something. Mm -hmm. So can you comment on when of the sports baseball end of July? So walk me through that if you can. Yeah. July 23rd and 24th, Major League Baseball. Tigers are, uh, you know, our Tigers going to be back to work. They open up in Cincinnati uh, against the Reds. For all our older listeners out there, let's restore the roar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the fun thing is, I mean, in just a 60-game schedule in Major League Baseball, we're going to be able to see a bunch of the young kids, you know, they're going to have expanded rosters this you know season or if you want to call it a season so i think we'll be able to see some of the younger arms and that will be an exciting thing because let's be honest the tigers have brought in a bunch of you know veterans on one year deals the last couple of years and no one wants to see them they want to see what the future may hold so that'll be really exciting the nba of course you know end of july as well the nhl is similar timeline here towards the end of summer it's going to be an insane august and the way that they're going to be scheduling it out because they're doing it in these hub cities and in you know similar ice rinks gyms you know whatever you want to call it we're gonna see games during the day a lot you know so you're you're going to be doing all this you know the wonderful work here at great lakes wealth and you're going to be on the computer answering emails doing all that and and you're going to have an nba game on or an nhl game and it's is it different yes is it fun and is, does it make it a little bit exciting given the situation that we've had? had? Yes, of course it does. I mean, what have you been watching at night? I'm sure you like to watch games. We haven't been able to. Absolutely. Right. And uh, there are always uh, Thursday, one o'clock baseball games. Mm-hmm. There are always when the Masters on or a golf tournament, we, you know, we will put on games uh, on the TV in the lobby. If, uh, if there's a match or something that's, you know, the Olympics, uh, again, it's a whole other topic. We'll have to have a whole series of shows about the economics of sports. Right. So and the opportunity set that goes with that. And, and along those lines, I will say the PGA Tour, I, I think, has done an excellent job of being kind of the guinea pig, you know, one of the first to come back outside of soccer, but soccer here in the U.S. is not, it's just not as big, you know, as some of the other sports. PJ Tour has gone above and beyond to make sure that these players and caddies and everyone traveling all over to these various tournaments, 
as safe as humanly possible. And if they have a test, I think they got to get three negative tests like Cameron Champ did before the Rocket Mortgage Classic, before he was able to participate. And then you're able to go out there and be amongst, you know, all of the other tour players. They've, I think, done an incredible job. And I think that gives some hope, at least, even though golf, you can properly social distance and stay away. It gives some hope, I think, to all these other professional sports that maybe it is possible you know, to limit the exposure and keep the cases down. Okay, so real fast, we're yes. going to get going on the next thing. So you're saying baseball, July 23rd, 24th? Yes. Is that right? Yes. You said um, hockey? Le- end of July. End of July. NBA is more is in August. It is in August. Yes. And so the only one that's still on the table is this uh, NFL. Is that right? That's yeah, on the but, table? But we're also now to the point where training camp, should be getting underway, you know, and, and they're still trying to decide, are we going to have two preseason games? We're going to have four, hopefully none. Uh, yeah. You know, that'd be great. Nobody wants to watch that anyway. But I think they're taking a wait and see approach. And, you know, again, I, the college football element, college basketball element, you know, on the, the big level, the, the major conferences, that'll be the interesting one. You know, the Big Ten has already flirted with the idea of only having a all Big Ten 10, you know, team, 10 game schedule, no non-conference games, essentially to just limit it, you know, within the conference. What will that ultimately do? I have no idea. But when you're talking about student athletes and the welfare of students, you're a parent. I mean, these universities have an obligation to keep these young people safe. If they deem that it is not safe to be on campus or be in classrooms, how is it going to be safe to go out and play, you know, football? We're talking college football, 115 players, 120 players against the other teams, you know, that that many players as well. Is that safe if regular students aren't in the classroom? There's just a lot of factors there. So on that on that point, right, a lot of what's going on back in the investment world of the markets or at the state level and local government level and all the way up, I guess, to Washington is the whole idea we're not going to re-shut down the economy, right? They've already declared that if it comes back, we won't re-shut down the economy. We will just have to take the good with the bad because of the greater good, right? So in college, collegiate athletics, I guess the, you know, the professional sports is different, but in the collegiate one again how do they make that determination because as you said these are um, students these are you know they're adults most of them I guess young adults but um, it's a different profile right so do they have deadlines that they have to make these decisions by and then the next question the final question I have on it is the big house have you heard of this place it's in Ann Arbor oh yeah yeah yes the the, quiet place right well I think it has more (laughs) seats or you know than any other stadium in the country and I know it's uh, the largest place on a Saturday to watch a game right the most uh, most spectators in one place watching a game. I hear that every Saturday at home when it's over the with over the loudspeaker. But with that, we've uh, playing golf with some friends. We've talked about that as season ticket holders or just as uh, you know as fans going outdoors. Okay, it's a lot different than indoors. So the whole six feet and you know t- you know as a spectator. So indoors, I can totally just understand that it'll be just players only. There'll be no spectators. Let's assume that, right? But at outdoor stadiums, have you heard anything about whether again? Are they going to do uh, zero or maybe a quarter full, half full? Let's just go back the way to sign a waiver. Again, this is America. Can you just sign waivers and go at it? And if you're a, uh, a student that's 17 and under, have your parents sign a waiver. And if you're 18, sign your waiver. And then I'm going to ask you a question after that. But what do you think about that? Ohio State got in trouble.
trouble already for for handing out a waiver to you know some of their players and they have basically come out and, and tried to say no no it's not a legal document you know it could never you know potentially be used uh, you know moving forward but that is that slippery slope all these universities are, are are figuring out I mean Jim Harbaugh you know recently said that he'd rather they play in an empty big house or an empty stadium than not play at all you know so he clearly has an opinion on it even though we kind of erred on the side of caution and said, you know, Mark Schlissel and, you know, the Big Ten and the NCAA, they're going to be the ultimate decision makers. But it's pretty evident they want to play. And I, I think it's I think it's very important to think about, too, how these universities are built in these these programs, what they're built on. It's big time donors. It's regions. It's it's people that have millions and millions of dollars to donate to these programs. It takes a few of them to go to, you know, these coaches, these ADs, these presidents and say, hey, I'm not going to give my $10 million to, to the program this year. You guys might want to play, you know, and, and I do think that that is something that will ultimately behind closed doors be a factor. We'll probably never hear about it because, you know, that wouldn't exactly be, uh, you know, the proper way of going about it, making a money decision. But I do think that'll very much be at play. We, we could see stadiums with 30,000 fans socially distanced, you know, throughout the big house or, you know, in Baton Rouge or wherever. We could see stadiums with nobody out there. We could see college football, I think, get pushed back. There are a million different factors, but, Dewey, it changes by the day, just like the market. Whoa, what a, what, that's fantastic. That is a good, I don't know what you call it. What do you call that? A, a, a transition? I'm not even a closing, whatever you Who want to call it. Who is the NASDAQ of college wow, football? fantastic. I don't know. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> we'll find out. Either way, fantastic. Uh, some good discussion there. We covered a lot, went through Q2, Q3 outlook, uh, what's been going on in the market recently, and of course, to, took a brief look. That's fun. I haven't done that in a while to get back into the sporting world and what we'll see potentially later in the summer and in the fall that'll do it uh for episode seven of the what do we do podcast look forward to talking to you guys uh soon here in the future please download subscribe share dewey always a blast fantastic with you again and i'm gonna give a little little snippet of next episode is on gold and precious metals so uh tune in i think you're gonna enjoy it Opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.